about faith. It's one thing to have faith, but it's one thing to have faith that's steadfast and immovable. It's important, right? You know, a lot of times we waver in our faith because we're not steadfast in what we believe in. It's, it's a struggle. You know, we know what we believe, and then somebody comes up with a new concept. Like, well, what about this? Or they ask you a question you never thought of. You're like, oh, well, hang on. Well, how do we strive to be steadfast so that anything that comes up, anything we come up against, is, is it, it, won't, it won't throw us? The first thing we need to understand is our God is steadfast in his love to us. And, and understanding this and knowing this is really important. You know, when we know that our God is steadfast in his love to us, we number one know where we stand, right? Have you ever experienced a time where you think you're part of a group or you think you are loved by someone and then they do something to betray you or your friends do something to betray you? And immediately all that solidity, security, um, stability you had in your life suddenly comes crashing down. You're like, wait a second. I thought... I thought I was part of this group. I thought I was loved by this person. And then why are you suddenly acting like this? Why did you do this to me? Right? That kind of instability in our lives doesn't allow us to be steadfast. Then we wouldn't be like a lighthouse. We'd be like a like a plastic gate, right? That just flings open and falls over, right? You know, in my backyard, I have a, a, a small green fence. That's uh, I put it there just to for Cody to think that he cannot go out. If Cody ever tried to go out, like jump over it, he could. If he tried to push around it, he could. But somehow in his little doggy brain, he sees a fence and he just doesn't try. And so it has worked for two years now. <laughs> he has gone around the corners and sniffed a little bit and said no, and he doesn't do it. When our faith is, is, but if we wanted to, or if I got another dog, a nice big dog, who would one day decided he's just going to plow right through that fence, he totally could. Our faith cannot be plowed through like that, right? We, our faith needs to be steadfast. And the one way, the first most important thing we need to know is that Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 23, it's up on, on the slide. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The word ceases means it doesn't end. There is no end. You know, everything we do in this life has an end, good and bad, right? Good times have an end, bad times have an end. Our life has an end. <clears throat> you know, a good chocolate cake has an end, right? Everything has an end. Everything we do has an end. But God's love has no end. So we never have to worry about it running out. One of the meanings of the word cease is to run out. God's love for us doesn't run out. That means, you know how sometimes you meet somebody and you're like, oh, this person is so awesome. And then you know them for a while, and suddenly they do something, you're like, oh, man, <laughs> not so awesome anymore. God sees us that way. He sees us as perfect, but he knows from the beginning what we are, and his love never ceases. You know, the only love I can compare to that is the love of a parent to their child, right? A parent will love their child no matter what. Now, sometimes the children really test the parents, and that's okay, but the parents never stop loving their kids, right? But even more than that, even more. Because even parents have limits, right? They get really irritated. Some say they don't want to talk to you for a couple of days. But God doesn't. His, his mercies are new every morning. 
That means every morning I get up, God doesn't run out of mercy for me. He doesn't run out of grace for me. He doesn't run out of love for me. So as imperfect as I am, this message really, as I was preparing it, it's meant to be an encouragement. Because a lot of times we see steadfast as like, you know those British soldiers that stand at the gate of Buckingham Palace? You go and stand in front of them and you make funny faces and they just like stoic, will not change. God's love is kind of like that. It doesn't change no matter what we do. It doesn't change better than that, of course. But if, if nothing we do can waver it, right? He, he doesn't change because, oh, you're not a good person today. Or, you you know, you did all these bad things. I'm going to hold these things against you. Now, consequence is different, right? Consequence is different. We have to face the consequences of our actions. But it doesn't affect the fact that God loves us. It doesn't. You know, the Israelites in the desert faced the consequence. After Caleb and Joshua came back from the promised land with the 12 12 spies, when they went to the promised land, they came back. And the people of the Israelites chose to still not believe. They chose to go against God. They chose to to believe in only what they saw. They missed out. They had to suffer a consequence. But does it mean they were a lost generation? No, because their children still got We still still got to get in. But our consequences we do suffer but the love of God is different sometimes we look at the consequences we have to suffer and go maybe maybe God doesn't love me no consequences are a result of our actions and our choices we don't learn what to do right in life if we don't face the consequences of our actions no good parent would let their child not suffer consequences I'm going to say that again. No good parent would let their child not suffer consequences. If you protect your children from every single consequence, they will never learn. We are, that's how we learn. We have to suffer consequences. But there is grace. He says his mercies are new every morning. Even when we don't deserve his mercy, he will still give us his mercy. We have, a lot of times, because we're so focused on the hand, not the giver, when we don't get what we want, we go to God doesn't love me. But it's not the hand. It's not the gift. Everything we ask God for is on this earth. And when we don't get what we want, we go, oh, God doesn't love me. But is that really the case? Or is that just a lesson? It's really important. See, when we talk about God's steadfast love for us, we have to understand his love comes in, comes across in many different ways. But his love, the undying, unfa- the undying, faithful love that he offers us, that's unwavering. He will never stop loving us. He will never stop pursuing our hearts. He will never stop being there for us. Anytime we cry out to him, he will be there for us. It's just a matter of are we willing to understand that and take it. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23 is a song after this scripture, right? And I'm sure most of us know it. Because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never ceases. It never stops. That's a promise. You know, I talked about, uh, a couple of messages ago, I talked about being active in our faith. One of the ways we are active in our faith is we grab onto the promises of God and we, un- and we say, teach me what this means. What does it mean that your love never ceases? If I look at your hand and you don't give me everything I want, does that mean you don't love me? Can I trust that even what you don't give me, you still love me? All of us in this room have parents. Do we always get what we want from our parents? Anybody always got what you want? 
I know, I don't, you don't have to answer. You never got one. <laughs> right? I know I didn't give Jaden everything he wanted. I know I gave him things only in the time that I thought was appropriate. Or if he bugged me enough, sometimes I'll give him what he wants. I mean, does anybody here have that experience where every time you ask for anything, your parents would give it to you? They've, you've never had a parent say no to you. Kind of. Kind of? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't ask, but I know if I ask, my parents won't say no. But Have they they've never said no to you? I mean, when I was young, I'm trying to eat, I want to eat more sweets. My mom, <laughs> she'll always say no. So I'm like, ah, oh, mom. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's the only time that, you know, or watching TV. Okay. Why? Like, Why do you think that those were the times your mom said no to you? Uh, it's not good for me. But do you still know your mom loves you? Yeah. And do you understand now why she said no? Mm -hmm. that I, was... I, I always understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just want it. Yeah. It, there are times, and, and we can't confuse that, right? You don't confuse that. When your mom says no to you, you don't confuse that with, oh, my mom doesn't love me. Right? When the Israelites didn't get to go into the promised land, they were hurt. They were remorseful. They came back around and go, no, 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 we're sorry, we're sorry, we'll do what you want. But they still didn't get to going. It was a consequence. We can't mistake those consequences for God not loving us. His steadfast love is always still there. It's part of the learning. If the, if the older generation of the Israelites did not suffer the consequences of their action, the younger generation would not have learned. <laughs> we learn, right? We learn. We still are learning, right? The next, they did learn. Some of them did learn. Some of them didn't. There has to be, we learn from each other too, right? So we are still learning from that. We see God, God is faithful in his promises and he's faithful in his actions, right? But his love and his mercy is unending. So the love of the Lord never ceases. We have to understand it's never consumed. Right? It's never consumed. It never ends. And this is really important because this is what our safety, our security, our significance relies on. We need to know that God will never stop loving us. Even if it takes us a long time to learn a lesson. Even if we even if we're struggling and it's like, why do I keep struggling? Why do I keep struggling? Why do I keep struggling? Even if we're struggling, God doesn't stop loving us, right? You know, I was thinking about it. A lot of times, when you, if you look at a graph, right, we expect growth and steadfastness to look like this. And when we don't see this in our own life, this is us. Like, my, our life, we don't see this in our own life. Immediately, we feel like, I'm failing. Anytime we have a little bit of a heartbeat, I'm failing. I'm not good enough. I haven't achieved. I haven't accomplished. Right. One way to look at it is like going on a road trip, right? Our life is a road trip. It's a journey. The destination is not in this life. The destination is in our next life. The trip, this journey, is our effort to get there. Now, when you're driving on a road trip, sometimes you have to stop. You got to go to the bathroom. If you have a dog, your dog has to go to the bathroom. Somebody needs water, somebody needs a snack, somebody needs air, somebody needs to throw up. You have to stop, right? There's always reasons to stop. Or you get stuck in traffic. You take a wrong turn. 
you do a detour. There's always reason to stop. Change your mind. You want to go in another direction. Whatever. You have to stop. That's the, that's the journey. It never looks like this. Right? It is never a straight line between here and there. It's always, there's always diversions. In our life, there's always going to be diversions. There's always going to be challenges. Those challenges don't mean we failed. What failure looks like is when we stop. Park the car on the side of the road. Or even worse, turn the car around and go back the other way. That's when we fail. When we stop. Not when we struggle, but when we stop. Struggling is fine. And the reason why we need to know this is because in our journey, there's always going to be obstacles. When we know that God's love is always there, he, if we know and we can hold on to the fact that he's going to be the one to keep putting gas in us so we can keep getting there. This life that we're in, we're going to face many things. The one thing we have to remember is God loves me. He's going to get me through this. You know, one thing to also know, God did not choose to love me because he, I have a special trait. Now, for those, like, sometimes we grow up, we grew up in an environment where we are compared to other people. Like, oh, you know, look at your cousin, look at your brother, look at your uncle. Or maybe not even our parents do it, but we do it ourselves. Or look at that person in school that's so popular, so fast, so this, so that. And we're like, I'm not good enough. And, you know, when you're on a team and you get chosen, right, and the ones who get chosen last feel the worst because they were not chosen. See, God didn't choose us like that. He didn't choose us because, you know, John has a special skill or, or Nahum has a special ability or, or Sharissa has, you know, a certain look. He didn't choose us because of that. That's really important to understand. God didn't choose us because of what we have. Don't forget, everything we have, all our skills, our abilities, our incapability, all came from God. What we see as incapabilities that maybe God has seen as capabilities, all of this came from God. So he didn't choose us because we're special in a certain way, the way the world sees us. He chose us for one real reason. Who knows what that reason is? Take a shot. His love. He truly chose us because he loved us. Every single one of us. Romans 5 8 says he died, he died for us while we were yet still sinners. <clears throat> you know, when you see someone in the worst part of their life, many times you don't want to be with them. Like, I know what I looked like in the worst part of my life. I didn't like myself. I know a lot of people who didn't like me back then either. But God loved me. The understanding of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he loved us while we were yet sinners. He saw us in the worst part. Not when we were trying to do good. It was when we didn't want to do any good. We wanted to be as bad as possible. That's when he saw us and he loved us. He chose us. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 to 8. I'll read it out. I have the scripture up there. But I'll read it out. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. For you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you, and he was keeping the oaths he had sworn to your ancestors. This is why the Lord rescued you, rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He loved them. It wasn't because of anything they had to offer. He loved them. It wasn't because of anything that we have to offer. God loves them. We need to understand that our God is steadfast in his love to us. Because he loves us. 
He, his love will not favor. His love will not fail. His mercies will not favor. So even if today we feel bad and we've had a bad week or had a bad month struggling and we don't know where we stand with God, one thing we need to know is that he loves us. This is our good solid foundation to stand on, right? I'm, I'm working with a foundation where I'm working with someone who loves me. I, I'm going to serve a God who truly loves me. When you work with someone who loves you, when you're with someone who loves you, you feel safe with them, right? You feel like no matter how you try, they're going to they're gonna help you, right? They're going to give you a hand and help you up. That's how you know. You feel safe with them. You know, I liken it to like a child. A child trusts their parents. So when a child is trying to walk, the first thing they do is they reach out to their parents. They trust them. No doubt, if I reach my hand out to my mom or dad, they're definitely going to pick me up. They're going to help me. If I fall, they're going to be there for me. It's an innate trust. It's in us. God put it in us that we lose over time because of our distrust, right? Because of sin in our life. Adam and Eve, when they walked through the garden, they trusted God. They had no needs, no wants. They knew exactly where everything was coming from. It was coming from God. It was only after they sinned that they hid from God. And they were banned. Then they had to work. They had to, to work the ground to till. They didn't just have to take care of. Now they had to work for it. When we, when we know that we are serving a God who loves us, we start with that. Then the second part comes in. We need to be steadfast in our faith. Right? This part is very important because a lot of times we think, when I become a Christian, God is so faithful to me. Forget about our faithfulness to him. We are called to be steadfast too. I put the picture of the lighthouse again there because as much as God is that lighthouse in our life, we are called to be that lighthouse as well. You know, a lighthouse, like I mentioned earlier, is meant to be there as a warning, right? And to, uh, for, for ships so that they don't crash into the land. We are called to be lighthouses to this world. When we are not steadfast in our faith, the people around us will die. And that's the truth. If you think about it, how many of how many of us are with people who don't know Christ every day? Friends, dear friends, close friends, family, neighbors. Do you know that these people who don't know Christ, one day, and this will happen for sure, one day you're going to go up to heaven, and because you haven't lived a life that's speaking his word enough or talk to them about it, you will turn around and see them go to hell. Because that's what will happen. See, being steadfast in the faith is not just something the Bible has put out there as a commandment. It's a necessity. Right? You know, this week I was thinking, you know, Logos is in our house, right? So what if one day Evan and I get hit by a truck? Let's not hope that happens, okay? And, but my house, our house is still open, right? Some daughter knows how to get in. And who's going to come and have service here? Anybody? What happens? Being steadfast in our faith looks like that. Being steadfast in our faith means not relying on anyone to create a fellowship but being a fellowship ourselves. You see, like, I have, you know, I was explaining to somebody this week, I, I work full-time, right? 
I am a mom, although my mom responsibilities are a lot less now. <laughs> Don't have to take care of him as much. He cooks his own food. <clears throat> um, I'm a wife. I, I, I co-pastor at this church. So I have a lot of responsibilities. Time is a little stretch for me sometimes, right? So if all of you have friends that you are reaching out to or the people in your life that are significant, if you're just waiting for admin or myself or someone else, one of the pastors or one of the ministers of the church to come with you to talk to them, what are the chances that's going to happen? It's not just because we don't have time, but because who has the relationship with them, right? So if you think about it, then who is responsible for the lives of the people in our lives? It's us, right? It's not just, you know, the only, I've said this many times before, the only reason I sit up here and Edmund sits up here and Pastor Chris and Pastor Rochelle and Pastor Catherine and Pastor Ray sit up here, and, and the only reason we hold the name of pastor is simply because we've taken on the responsibility of teaching and preaching and, and, and chosen to live our lives that way. But aside from that, there is no difference between the person that sits here and, and the person that sits over here. We all have that responsibility, right? You see, one day when we stand before God, we have to give account for what we have done with our lives. And we cannot say, well, my pastor didn't come with me. Or I told Mayana to go talk to that person and she didn't want to talk to that person. If God has put somebody in our lives, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility first to pray and then to do whatever God has called us to do in their lives. But more importantly than that, it's our responsibility to live our lives steadfastly. It is so important that instead of just talking about the word of God, that our lives reflect the word of God. Right? You know, so I was having a conversation with somebody at work. And we started talking about, what she, she started talking about religion. And she said to me, she said, you know, just hearing people talk about God puts me off. And I was like, why? I said, did you grow up in, in, a, in a religion? Were you, you know, what, what's your religion? And she said, oh, I didn't grow up in a religion, but my family hates religion. So I'm like, so you don't know why you hate what you hate. And, and, and that's really, for a lot of people, that's what it is. People don't know why they hate what they hate. Oh, they have one experience and they hate everything, right? And it's like, but that's not a reason. And, and it's our responsibility to show differently. It is. And we don't even have to do that by showing any kind of separate effort. We just have to be steadfast in our faith. We just have to be steadfast. We need to be immovable so that our lives reflect what God wants people to see. It's, it's, not, it's the opposite of hypocrisy, right? You're a hypocrite or you're not. This is the opposite of hypocrisy. I'm living what I'm saying. I'm not just talking about it. You know, many of you know, many of the girls know, I share very openly about my life. And I share very openly about my life so that you know I am not perfect in any possible way. But I'm walking on this journey just with you. It's very real and it's very difficult, but we can all get through this. We just have to learn how to be steadfast in our faith. First Corinthians 15, 50 to 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. <clears throat> to be steadfast, to be firm, to be immovable, it, it, it means to not, it's like what we read earlier, it's not subject to change. It's to be firmly fixed in place, to know what I believe in and to be firmly fixed in that. 
if we're going to question our faith, question it according to the word of God, not what somebody else said. Right? If we're going to enhance our faith, enhance it with the word of God, not just what we see or hear around us. And one of the biggest struggles people have in church today is because I do this because everybody else does. You know, my mom used to say this to me, and she's if everybody else eats poop, are you going to go eat poop with them? <laughs> right? Why follow up? And, and you know, the, and back then it was the most annoying thing to hear, but it's a lot of truth in it. Why follow people when they don't know what they're doing? But the word of God, we know the word of God is very, very clear. If we're going to challenge our faith, we're going to grow our faith, let's grow it in the word of God so that we can be firmly fixed in place. Now, many times I say this, if, if we know what we believe, if we know the God we believe in, we will never have any question. We are called to be steadfast. And what does that look like? Oh, did I do that? Okay. You know, a lot of times on the left picture, we have this nice straight freeway, no traffic. And a lot of times we say when we think being steadfast looks like that. Nice, clean freeway, nice, clean road, no obstacles, no cars. You can go as fast as you want, as smooth as you want. And this is what we expect from God. God, I believe in you. Now clear the way for me. Open the Red Sea. Let me walk through it, right? Make my life as easy as possible. But then a lot of times, being steadfast in faith looks just like that. The second picture. See the big boulder in the middle of the road? Where it takes time, it takes effort, it takes thought, it takes prayer, it takes grit to be able to get through life. We know we're supposed to keep moving, but how do we move beyond this obstacle? And, and this is when we look at it and go, well, I, I, it's too hard. I give up. But God says, no, you have to keep going. See, our life has many, many obstacles in it. Life is never going to be easy. You know, for those of you who are younger, who are finishing high school, going to college, like, Life looks like there are so many possibilities, but the number of obstacles that come your way will be amazing, right? I remember the first like grown-up problem I had was um, after Evan and I got married, my father-in-law passed away. And it was the first like tragedy both of us had experienced together. And it was like, I remember thinking, man, growing up sucks. Just, you know, having to deal with this like real... Because, you know, then we had to think about Evan's mom and how to comfort her and take care of her. And Evan's sister and brother were still so young. What were we going to do with them? We had just gotten married. We were so broke. We were eating McDonald's every day. And that became a real problem, right? It's like, how, what? How do we do this? That's when you start to realize, wow, real problems exist in this world. You know, when we're young, we look at things and we're like, oh, nothing could go wrong. Nobody could get sick. Everybody's going to live forever. Life is good. Money just comes coming in. But, you know, people lose jobs. People get sick, people die, right? People move. So many things could happen. Plans never turn out the way we think they're gonna turn out. It's like, why? It's so hard. It looks just like that. It's like, oh, it's impossible. If I was driving on a road and I saw that boulder, I'd be like, time to go home, right? <laughs> this is pretty clear, time to go home. But God says, no, you gotta keep going on this journey. How do you move beyond these obstacles? They come and some obstacles look so big and so immense and so impossible. You can't even go around them. How do you, how do you get through this? How do we keep being steadfast in our faith, trusting God and believing in him when something like that shows up in our life?
Oh, what did I do now? <laughs> I'm just amazing, am I? There I go. One more. All right. Nope. Somehow. The first thing is, let's go to First Peter chapter five, verse six to nine. <clears throat> now, part of being steadfast in our faith is understanding that it is what moves us forward. First Peter chapter five, verse six to nine says, "Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you." Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, be firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in this world. Now, the first Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 9 starts off with humility. We all face obstacles. Just because we face an obstacle doesn't make us in a worse position than someone else. And we may not see the obstacles other people face. It's very easy to feel like, you know, especially with Instagram and Facebook, whenever we feel obstacles, we feel like we're the only ones because we don't have a good picture to post that day, right? So somebody, everybody else must be living a perfect life. And understanding, it's like we, we, when we humble ourselves under the hand of God, he will exalt us in the, in the proper time. He says, cast our anxiety on him because he cares for us. Remember, he loves us. When I have God on my side and I look at a boulder in the middle of me that I cannot go through or cannot go through around, I remember who is on my side and who loves me. Now, there are many things in life that we want to just walk away from. It's too hard. right? You always feel like there's some things we go through that are just too hard. I just don't want to deal with this. I want to walk away from it. But a lot of times, we can't walk away from it. Those are responsibilities that we've committed to. If you've committed to a responsibility, you can't walk away from it. If God's called you to that, you can't walk away from it. God's called you to walk this journey in life. Your destination is in eternity with him. There's no destination in between. Right? You know, a lot of times we look for wins. Like, I want, I want to win here. No, your win, our win, our real win, is when we get to heaven and, be, and we are with Christ. When we have walked into eternity with him, that's our win. You know, Luke 13, 23 to 24, it says, Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? And he replied, Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter, but few, but, but will fail. Work hard. You know, there's, a te- there's, there's a worry in, in Christianity about works. Don't do things just for the works. And then when we teach that, if we get to teach where you still have to work, you have to work. We have to work. One thing we all learn from the time we're young, if we don't work, we don't eat. Right? If you don't work, you don't eat. If you want a life, you want a job, if you want a house, you want a car, you want to be able to provide for your family, you have to work. It doesn't come from nowhere. Somebody has to work for you to get what you have. You have to work. But in, in our salvation, in our faith, that's not free. It's freely given to us. But to keep it, we have to work at it. We have to make priorities. You know, I have a job, and, and because of my job, I have a calendar. So on my calendar are all my daily meetings, right? And I live my life by that calendar, right? I'm sure most of us do. Our meetings go on our calendar, and we attend our meetings on time. My spiritual life, or my, my a church 
is also on that calendar. Every single church meeting, every single opportunity I have is also on that calendar. Right? Every part of my life is on that calendar because it's all important. A lot of times we may say, okay, this is on the calendar, but this is not. It's not priority. Well, if God is not priority, then what's on the calendar? If our calendar is full of everything else but God, like seriously, I'm completely serious. If everything else on your calendar is so important that it got to be on your calendar and God didn't get on your calendar, where is, where is God? You know, if you were in a relationship with someone and you didn't prioritize your, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your spouse, uh, your spouse, right? you didn't prioritize your spouse, your spouse would have a real problem with you. But with God, we think it's always oh, okay. Right? God is an afterthought. Maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll do this. But if prayer or Bible study or time, most importantly, time with God, if time with God is not in your life every day, then where is God? Where, where is he? And these are questions we have to ask ourselves, right? It's like, where is he? You know, I asked my question, that question myself this year because in the past, I'm a, I, I maximize my time to the most. And most people who know me know I do this. I try to do two or three things at the same time always, right? But I, at the beginning of this year, God really challenged me. He's like, where am I in your time? Don't slot me in. So then I said, okay. And I've done this many, many years, right? But this year I've been very, very consistent because I put it on my calendar. And because it's on my calendar and it's blocked, nobody can book a meeting over it. So it's, it's my time, right? That's the time I have with God. And nobody can book a meeting over it. And I made it private and nobody knows what it is, but they can't book a meeting there. And if they try to book a meeting, I'll decline it. It's important, but that's not it, right? Of course, we talk to God more after that too, but, but that's important. If, if he's not that priority, you see, Jesus said, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. We have to work our salvation out with fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12. If we don't know where we are in our salvation with God, if we don't make an effort, in it, that relationship will not flourish, just like any relationship in our life. When we don't make an effort in a relationship, it doesn't flourish. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 9, it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But to those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now in this one, this scripture speaks to me most of consistency. Just if we can just be consistent in every relationship we have, in every effort of our relationship with God, just be consistent with it, right? That's what means something. You know, those who know me know that I don't really care about things. I don't really care about gifts, right? Until so Jaden, this week very kindly, was trying to keep me away from sugar. So he hid my fig mutants and my mangoes. I buy these dried mangoes and I had them in my office and he finally hid both of them. And so that's, I love my son. But, <laughs> and so this morning, <laughs> I tried, I was threatening him and everything. And he said, no, don't eat sugar. I'm like, okay, fine. But this morning he brought them out for me. And then and <laughs> he didn't throw them away. He brought them out and he gave them to me. Now, Sounds funnier, but that means a lot to me. Like, I don't care about gifts. I don't care about things. For me, the time and the effort. Like, he 
him and John spent, they were up till 2 a.m. last night putting together the Mother's Day video. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. The, the both of them haven't slept much and they spent all morning trying to get flowers for the moms and, and make sure that all the moms feel really special today. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Like As a person, that means a lot to me. That means a lot to God. It's not about the sacrifices and the offerings that we give. It's not about, God, look, I sacrifice. I don't party anymore. Or I don't do this anymore. I don't watch this movie anymore. No. But how much time do we spend with it? It means a lot to him. Right? Because that's how, that's how we know somebody cares for us. It's when they take the time and the effort to be with us. Moving forward. The second most important thing you can do is get up. Proverbs 24, 16, it says, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. You know, like I talked about the journey, right? The journey means you keep driving forward, you keep moving forward. If you fall or if you fail, you stop. The important part is getting up and keep going. Your car stops, start the engine again, keep going. The most important part of the journey is moving forward. You know, we can get to from point A to point B many different ways. We can walk, we can run, we can crawl. The point is, how do we get there? Some of us run, some of us walk, some of us crawl. Some of us, it takes us a long time. It takes me a long time to learn something. I'm very slow in my understanding. But when I understand something, I hold on to it. And it's okay. I used to get really frustrated because I look at other people and go, why am I not like them? Why don't I get it like they do? Right? Why don't I move as fast as they do? And it frustrated me. But then I began to realize everybody learns differently. God is merciful and he loves us and he'll wait. He'll teach. He, don't you think God understands us more than anybody else? And for us slow folk, he understands why we're slow. And he's patient to wait for us. Isn't that amazing? He's not an impatient father. Like, what's wrong with you? Move it. Let's go. Let's go. Everybody else is moving. Why aren't you moving like them? Look at so-and-so. He's already here. You're still here. He doesn't do that. He's like, oh, I'll wait for you. He knows. He under, he's the one who understands us the most. It's okay. We may walk. We may crawl. We may, we may run. It doesn't matter. But the most important thing is when we fall, we need to keep getting up. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Proverbs 34, 19 says, The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. Stopping is not an option. Right. It, in our journey, stopping is not an option. It's stopping, stopping, then it's stopping, not going anymore, or turning back, or moving forward. It's okay to slow down, but don't stop. Don't give up. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 to 12. It says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, of so the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. And this was when, 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 the, when the apostles talked about this, it says their, their torment, their torture was for a reason. But this is us too. Our torture, the things that we go through, the struggles that we go through, it's not just for us, it's for those around us, for those that we love as well. No matter what we go through, no matter what oppression, no matter what adversity, 
God will never leave us. And that is the promise. He will never leave us. As hard as it is, as difficult as it is, as big as the boulder is in the middle of the road, God will never leave us. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. We just have to keep moving. We can't give up. We can't rely on anything else. When we rely on our own understanding, when we rely on the things of this world, those are the things that lead us astray. In order for us to stay on the right path, we have to rely on him and him alone. To close, I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 9. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be a sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to destroy, but resist him. Firm in your faith, be steadfast in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. This is our promise from God. That if we continue to stay humble in him and steadfast enough, it's not steadfast enough, if that's our responsibility, our effort, our work, right? Our work, our walk with God is an effort. It's an intentional effort. By just, you know, a lot of times we look at church or Bible study or prayer as like, if I go for these things, then these are the things that will carry me through. But what about my personal effort, right? You know, I started, um, but six years ago, I started running. I, I've been, I've been a run, I was running in high school. I ran in college a little bit, but I wasn't a very strong runner. But after having Jaden and life, and I started running again. It was the hardest thing ever. The first time I started running, I could run for less than 10 seconds before I would feel like my lungs were going to blow up. Right. And then I just kept at it. Every year, every year, I would go back and start running again and start running again. And the one thing I saw is that it's not about how strong I am or what I can do. It's just about consistency. If you keep doing something over and over again, you get better at it. Our walk with God is also about consistency. But this is also about dedication and consistency. If we're consistently dedicated to God, if we consistently make a choice for him, we will begin to see our lives change. But that's our choice. See, consistency is very hard for us as humans, right? We all have aspirations. That's why we have these New Year resolutions. At the beginning of the year, I have a resolution to do this. And we start it, and we see some results, and then after a while, we stop it. But how many things, you know, one thing I did for myself this year is I looked at my life and I saw, what are, the, what are the things I wanted to change and how much of it has changed? And I was very sad to notice that only a few things have changed in my life. So I said, why, haven't, why hasn't all these other things changed? Because God has already promised me that he has given me the ability to see these things change. Why haven't I seen change in all these other things? Now, I'm talking only about things that I can control, right? I'm not changing people or making things that I can control about myself, my character, my, my, um, my goals, my life, right? Like what I can control. Then I began to notice it's because I wasn't consistent. I didn't make intentional choices every day to do the things I needed to do. I just live my life as I wanted to, right? You know, I, if I feel like it, I'll do it. If I don't feel like it, I don't do it. True discipline, it requires to you to put your feelings aside. It's important. If we are to be dedicated to what God has called us to be dedicated to, if we are to be steadfast 
we have to make choices to do the things that will make us steadfast. These are choices. That's what it means to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's what it means to work at the things that God has given us, right? If we are steadfast, if, if we are resolute, if we are intentional, we will see the changes happen. Because those are things God has already promised us. Right? Well, why doesn't God just change my heart? Why doesn't he just make me do it? Why, don't, why do you think he doesn't? Yeah, he's not a dictator. Free will. Free will. It's our choice. It's our choice to have a relationship with God. Right? You know, a long time ago as a pastor who preached, he said, if you're married to a woman and you came home and you know, and your wife greeted you every night with a wonderful dinner and, and laid a table out for you and he said, Wouldn't that be beautiful? But then if you looked at her foot and she was chained to the kitchen with a ball and chain, and she, then you realize she did it because she had to and she had no other choice. What would that look like for the love of both? God, doesn't be, God gives us the complete choice and the will to live our lives the way he intended us to live it. It's up to us to live it. The one thing that Satan consistently tries to do is he tries to take that away from us. Too busy, too tired, too everything. But we have to make that choice. To be intent, to be resolute, we can because God has already enabled us. Right? To be steadfast in our faith, it means to be completely immovable. How do I make myself immovable in him? How much of his word do I know in my life that my faith will not be shaken? How much of, my, of his word and his presence do I have in my life that no matter what is said to me, no matter how much people come try to push me over, no matter how much the enemy tries to attack me, I will stand immovable because I know who I believe in. And if I'm immovable, how much of the people around me are going to be affected by that so, so, solidity, solid? Solidarity. Being solid. Solidarity. Thank you. My English. Right. How many people around me are going to be affected by that? They're going to know who God is because I am solid in him. You know, we have some solid people in our lives in, in this body, you know, that, that are very solid in their faith that have affected all of us. When is it my turn to be that solid person? Right. We can't, you know, as the body, I started off today, as the body of Christ, we can't depend on one or one part of the body to do all the work. Now, if you've ever had an injured arm or an injured leg, you know if you overcompensate with the other leg or the other arm, that other leg or the other arm is going to get injured eventually. As the body, we are called to function together, knowing each of our parts individually. If you look at your life, and I ask that question, and one day if Evan and I get run over by a truck, but the door is still open, you can still come here and have church, or have church somewhere else, how many people will have church? It should be everyone. <laughs> Correct answer. For everyone, right? Because if, if this place doesn't exist, the church still exists in every one of us. Every one of us, right? Every one of us has access to the Word of God. Every one of us attends Bible studies. Every one of us continues to come to prayer. It's important. This is why we do Bible studies and this is why we do prayer. This is why it's so important every single week because every one of us is being equipped to do the work of God. Amen? Right? And it's not for like sometime in the future. It's for today. You know, because the people in your life, you know, I've been so blessed by so many people in this church who who tell me of people that they're reaching out to. And Krista is one of them. She's always telling me about her students, students, parents. Every time we have prayer, she'll be like, can you pray for this person? Can you pray for this person? Because she's constantly talking to them and finding out what's going on in their life. So she can, and she'll tell them, we're praying for you. My church is praying for you. 
if she doesn't do that, there's no way any one of us would meet those people. But because she's doing that, we get to meet. Like every one of us, we have that. Right? We have somebody in our life that we're saying, my church is praying for you. We're praying for you. If you're not saying that, nobody else is going to say that. You know, in this world today, very few people pray for people. Right? It's very few. I mean, how many people do you know? There are many people that I work with have no Christians in their life. Like, who prays for them? Who prays for their soul? And I started praying for my manager a long time ago. One of the reasons because I didn't like him very much. But, <laughs> but I started praying for him. I was praying for his soul because he's not a Christian. And I don't want to see him lost. I don't want to see his soul lost. We're all called. This is all of our calling. Right? And one day, maybe you'll sit up here, right? If that's your calling, if this is what you're called to. Not everybody wants to sit up here. But if you want to sit up here, then that's your calling. Then you pray about it, and, and God will put you here. Right? Does that make sense? Right. We all have a calling. All right. I'm going to open it up. I'm going to stop sharing. If anybody has anything they want to add or any questions. No, it was less. Thank you. But steadfastness comes from where your focus is. If you're focused on the Lord, you're able to stay steadfast. That was the lesson that we saw in Peter. When Peter said, Lord, if it's you, call me to you. And the Lord said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and was headed toward Jesus. But he started to look around at the water, at the winds and the waves, and he sunk. But Jesus was right there to save him. If your focus is not on the Lord, there's nothing you can do to make yourself steadfast. But you, your steadfastness comes from the Lord. I also have one question for you, Pastor Jeannie. That manager that you didn't like and you started praying for how do you feel about that brother today? I like him a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit better counts. A little bit better. I can have conversations with you. <laughs> but just an example of praying for those who mistreat you. That's an example of loving those who hate you. When you pray for them and love them, no bitterness can build. Doesn't make sense to us, but God, it works because God said it. Okay, I love you guys. May each one of you have a very, very blessed Mother's Day. Even you blessed mothers or furry babies. And we'll talk to you later. Love you, Catherine. I love you, little one. All right. Anyone else? Hi everyone. Good uh, good morning. Was it good afternoon already? <laughs> um, 
I wanted to share from uh, just as Pastor Catherine just uh, mentioned about focus. It's Isaiah 26, verse 3. And the NLT version uh, says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all those uh, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Um, I always find that steadfastness, uh, I agree totally with uh, Pastor Catherine, it's what you focus on. Because what we focus on forms the perception and forms somewhat of a picture of the reality uh, that we uh, that we would uh, uh, either live in or reality that we decided that's that's the circumstances and situation. But when we fix our thoughts on Christ, uh, He changes us. Amen. He changes even the perspective. Uh, so here I am here in Malaysia, getting to visit family. It's like Thanksgiving for most of you, or maybe not most of you, but but some of you can think of it more like uh, family family gathering during Thanksgiving. I hear a lot of stories. I hear about people sometimes getting to uh, spats with families and whatnot. Um, I, I share that to say that sometimes you know people have different perspective, whether it's about your faith, whether it's about um, things they expect of you. Uh, people have things to say. Um, so those things, words, uh, counts, and we need God's word, amen? And that steadfastness comes from the Lord if we fixate our eyes on him. And I love the uh, love all the sharing, and sometimes people say, hey, you don't get on Instagram a lot, do you? I say, yeah, maybe once a decade, but <laughs> or maybe once a year. But then I decided to log on to Instagram yesterday, and I saw all those wonderful pictures, and I you know, see things that I could, you know, hit like on. And then I see scriptures. It really blesses me when I see scriptures. So, um, you know, how, you know, folks are focusing on Christ and the word that, that he has for them can change perspective, uh, can change the perspective, especially on the circumstances they're in. So just want to share that part. So happy Mother's Day to everyone. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Anyone else? All right, I'll go ahead and close in prayer. Abba Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I ask, Lord, that this word that you brought into our hearts today, Father, that your Holy Spirit will continue to teach us and to guide us, Father, to reveal to us what is the hope and the direction that you've called us into. Abba Father, I ask, Lord, that let not one, even one, Father, who hears this word ignore what you are saying to us, Lord, but that, Father, that we will allow your Holy Spirit to teach us more and more each and every day. Father, change our hearts and our minds so that we are more and more like you. Mm. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think... Uh,